0: Now, this morning, I want to talk to you about something. Don't laugh when I give you the title. But um, I want to talk to you about Desperate Housewives. Everybody shout out real loud, Desperate Housewives. Now, everybody that's not here this morning, whether they're on vacation or sick or whatever, they're just going to miss a good sermon, all right? So hopefully they can go back and listen to it. But I'm going to talk about Desperate Housewives wives. You know, the Bible is an interesting book, isn't it? I think the Bible is probably one of the most interesting books I have ever read. Now, you may not think so. You may think that the Bible is quite boring, you know, and I agree with you. There are some sections of the Bible that is boring. Now, I know you're like, the pastor said the Bible is boring. Well, there are some sections that's boring, like the book of Leviticus. How I many knows that's boring? And you and you you don't want to admit it because you're a Christian, but let me just let me tell you what you're thinking. Everybody say it's boring. And there's other books that I think is boring, you know. I think the book of Leviticus is boring. I think, you know, the book of Numbers. I mean, it's it's an okay book. There's some good things in it, but just, it just feels like it's just choppy sometimes. But I've learned something in life that just because something's boring doesn't mean it's not beneficial. I mean, there's many, many times I've been in school and I really thought the lecture was boring, you know, but I knew that the information was helpful and I knew that the information was beneficial. So there are some things that may be boring. And then there are some interesting things in the Bible that's certainly not boring. I mean, there are stories of murder. I mean, I mean, in one section of the Bible, a woman got really mad and took a nail and a hammer and, you know, she nailed She nailed a guy's head to the ground. I mean, mean, it's pretty interesting, you know. I mean, there's a story of incest, prostitution, sex, premarital sex, adultery, homosexuality. I mean, you just get it. It's all in the story. It's all in there. And there's perversion in there. And, you know, not only is there perversion in the Bible, but there's also stories, love stories, great love stories, romantic stories. Stories that make your heart kind of No, Then there's other stories that you're like, is that really true? Come on. Is that really true? Did the sun really stand still for Joshua? I mean, some stories, I mean, are like far-fetched, right? I mean, miracles like we certainly don't see today. Prophets hauling down fire from heaven, burning up. A wet altar. Jesus praying over a little boy's lunch and it just feeds thousands of people. Or, get, get this, you need help paying your taxes so you go fishing and you catch a fish and you find enough money in the fish's mouth to pay for your taxes. And Jesus says, you know, stories are very interesting in the Bible. I mean, there are stories that will blow your mind. And yet there are some boring sections of the, the Bible, but don't throw the baby out with the bathwater just because some things are boring. It's still beneficial. And I believe that if you take even the boring sections of the Bible and you really listen to it, I believe the Holy Spirit can even use those things to minister to your life. Can I hear an amen? Amen. You see, everything in the Bible was even written for our instruction. Everything. For instance, the Bible says in Romans chapter, I do believe it's 15 and verse number four. I want you to listen to what the writer of the book of Romans says. Romans chapter 15 and verse number four. I want you to see what he says here. He says, everything, everything that we have read and everything that we have studied is really written for our benefit. Listen to what the writer said. For whatever things were written before were written for our learning. Through patience and comfort of the scriptures, we might have hope. That means everything that was written in the Bible was really written for our instruction. It was written for our learning. It was written for our comfort. You see, the Bible is not a science book. So if you're trying to disprove science with the Bible, I just got to tell you, you need to stop. It's not a science book. The Bible is really not a self-help book either. The Bible is not a fiction book. Do you know what the Bible is? The Bible is a story about human history and how God intervenes in the lives of people. That's the Bible. It's a story. It's a narrative of human history and how God intervenes in the course and the actions of people. So just because the Bible speaks of adultery and murder and slavery doesn't mean it approves of slavery. Just because it mentions incest, it doesn't mean it approves of incest. Just because it mentions perversion and acts that people participated in, the Bible is not telling you it approves of it. The Bible is a story telling you the story of human history and how God intervened in the lives of people and how even people wanted God to intervene in their life. The Bible is full of people that's broken, you know? The Bible is full of people that have a lot of questions. The Bible is full of people that kind of thought, God, where are you? The Bible is full of people just like me and you. Same questions, same heartaches, same trials, same issues, same secret sins. It's all in there. And, and the Bible is this history, this, this record of human history. And it shows us how God intervened in the lives of these people. And Paul said, this was written History was written for your instruction. Oh, it gives me great encouragement today. I mean, it really does. I mean, when I start reading the Bible, I find people like Job. Job was like, God, I've lost my home. I've lost my kids, I've lost everything. I am physically sick. Where are you? Don't you care? Aren't you Aren't you concerned with justice? This is not justice. I'm a righteous man suffering. And is this righteous? God was pretty silent throughout the book of Job. Satan afflicted him. He lost everything he had. He was a righteous man because that's what the Bible does. The Bible is telling us that bad things really do happen to good people. It's a story to tell us that happens. It's a story to tell us that it's okay to question God. It's okay to even get frustrated with God because Job certainly was frustrated. But towards the end of the book of Job, God stands out and says, Job, who are you? Were you there when I slung the planets out into darkness? Were you there when I took my finger and made the oceans and the seas? Were you there, Job, when the sons of God came out to sing when I made heaven and earth? Do you know, Job? Do you have the finite capability to understand my ways? Job, at the end of the book, said, Lord, I thought I knew, but I don't really know, and so I just trust you. You see what I'm saying? The Bible is about us. The Bible is just a book of human history about how God intervened in the lives of people. And we come to a story this morning, a familiar story that I'm sure that you've heard. You've heard of this story before. It's kind of it's comical at first, and it's kind of sad, secondly. And thirdly, it's a story of celebration. You kind of have all of these things mixed together in one story. It's a story that makes you cry the story that makes you happy, a so story that makes you sad. Because it has all those elements in it. It kind of represents life, don't it? One moment you're happy, one moment you're sad, one moment you're celebrating. You know, it kind of represents us. It's an encouraging story. When you first read it, you find some housewives. Rachel and Leah, as a matter of fact. It's an Old Testament story. Moses wrote this story. He penned these words of this story. It's a true story, a story that actually happened. It happened thousands of years ago in ancient Near East. Their customs, their views, their perceptions, of course, are different than yours. Marriage today is kind of like best friends. But marriage wasn't necessarily that concept then. It was more of, I need someone to take care of me. I need my name to be propagated. I need security. You see, that was their mindset. Although there were feelings involved and people were hurt, but you see the context of this story. Polygamy was an accepted thing back then. It wasn't because God said it was acceptable. But like I said a few moments ago, the writer here is not trying to tell us whether polygamy is right or wrong. It's telling you a story. And here is a man by the name of Jacob. Now Jacob goes to work for his... Uncle, actually. And he falls in love with his cousin. Now. Almost sounds like West Virginia, but we won't go there. But, so he, he falls in <laughs> And all the Arkansas folks better say, Amen that I didn't throw you under the bus. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> I'm just joking. So I'm not sure whether it's his first cousin or second cousin, but you get the point. He goes to work for Laban, his uncle. He falls in love with who? Rachel. The Bible says that Rachel was beautiful and well-favored. In other words, in the Hebrew, it meant that she was well-formed. But the Bible says that Leah was crooked-eyed. In other words, she didn't have a very good appearance. So let me just break it down. In modern day, 2021 language, Leah stayed home to watch the babies, and babies said everybody's babies, while Rachel went out on dates all the time. You get the point? Rachel is beautiful. She's well favored. Everybody loved her. But Leah, not so much. You have two sisters. You have two sisters who are desperate for love, acceptance, and approval. Two sisters who want to be loved and to show love. Two sisters who love the same man. Now, I don't know about you, but that's almost like a sitcom right there. You know, that's, that's Judge Judy. Can I hear an amen? I mean, here are two women in love with the same man. Y'all know that wouldn't happen now in 2021. Can I hear an amen? All the women say amen. They love the same man. But you see, back then it was common for polygamy. Remember, it was more for security. More about taking care of the woman. It's more about having children. So, these two women are desperate for love, acceptance, and approval. And the Bible tells us something interesting. As a matter of fact, I'm so glad that times have changed. Really. So, Jacob goes to his uncle and says, you know, I love Rachel. Rachel, I really love her. No, of course, who wouldn't love her? doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure that out. Jacob's like, I really love Rachel. And Laban said, well, if you really love her, then you need to work for her for seven years. So guess what Rachel does? I mean, excuse me, guess what Jacob does? Jacob begins to work for Rachel, and at the end of the seven years, on the wedding night, the night where they consummate the marriage, Laban, the father-in-law, slips in Leah into the tent. And when Jacob wakes up the next morning, he's like, you're not Rachel. In other words, the father slipped Leah into the tent. Jacob had sex with Leah, he thought he was going to get Rachel. Well, the next morning, Jacob goes to Laban and says, Dude, what in the world? I worked seven years for Rachel and I ended up with Leah. And Laban played it off like, Dude, I forgot to tell you that in our custom, we give away the firstborn first. But if you really want to, if you really love Rachel, you need to work another seven years the Bible says he loved her so much that the seven years seemed like a few days. So he worked another seven years to be with Rachel. Now I know what you're thinking. How in the world did that occur? How in the world did that occur? Well, let me just break it to you. They didn't have electricity. They didn't have iPhones. The woman was heavily veiled and she did not take the veil off until she was in the tent and there was no lights. It was pitch black. And so he didn't realize that the next morning he didn't get the girl that he wanted. Now, I said all of that to say this. Two things. Leah, how would Leah feel? Leah is now stuck with a man, okay? She's with a man who is in love with who? So for seven years, she lives with Jacob, She's having Jacob's babies, but Jacob really loves her sister. How would that make you feel? Now, hold on here. Before you throw Jacob under the bus, because I know what you're thinking, that dirty man, that Jacob. But it's really not Jacob's fault. How would you blame Jacob? Jacob said, I want Rachel. He worked seven years for Rachel. His communication was very clear. But on the night of the honeymoon, the next morning, he didn't get her. Do you know who deceived him? His father-in-law. The father is, is the issue here. But I want you to see something. If you go back to the story of Jacob, do you remember what Jacob did years earlier? Jacob sold, he had Esau to sell his birthright. In other words, Jacob deceived his brother in selling his birthright so that Jacob could get the blessing. So in other words, let me say this. Jacob's name means deceiver. So the deceiver in this story, the deceiver is being deceived. What are you saying, Pastor Josh? I'm saying this, that you reap exactly what you sow. Oh, we may think we're getting by with it but you will reap what you sow. And that's why it's very, very important that we view everything in life as a seed. Your attitude is a seed. Your words is a seed. How you treat people is a seed. Everything you do, you are sowing. And the scripture says, don't be deceived. For whatever you sow, you will reap. We think that's money. But no, 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 that's life. Everything in life is a seed. And whatever you sow, you will reap. Jacob is a deceiver. He deceived his brother at the beginning of the story. He took his brother's birthright and deceived him. But now in this story, his father-in-law deceived him. The deceiver is being deceived because it is true that whatever we sow is what we reap. But I'm also encouraged that whatever we sow, we do reap, but that doesn't mean you are a failure. It means that maybe you failed at things, but it doesn't mean you're a failure. It means that God can still use you, and it means that you can still be successful and prosper, that God still has a plan. And God still had a plan for Jacob. Obviously, his 12 sons is the 12 sons of Israel. Jacob's name was eventually changed to Israel. Because God has a way of reversing what we did. Can somebody shout hallelujah? His name was changed to Israel because God can reverse your mistakes. I don't know about you, but that deserves a great big hallelujah. That deserves a clap offering. That deserves a shout of praise that hallelujah. His name was changed to Israel. God removed the reproach off of him and gave him a new name. Because any time God does something new, He usually changes your name. Saul to Paul changes you. He changes your identity of who you are. Now the question is, is, I know it may not be Jacob's fault. It's really what Laban did, but let's engage the question this morning. If you were Leah, how would you feel? Living with a man who is actually in love with your sister, how would you feel? What thoughts would go through your mind? Would you have a breakthrough or would you break down? What would go through your mind and heart? For some people, when they get beaten by the battle of life, they don't get better. The battle does not make them better. It makes them bitter. And Leah had a question. Leah had a, she was at a crossroads in her life. What do I do? Do I get bitter towards the man that I live with? Or is this going to make me better? Am I going to have a breakdown or am I going to have a breakthrough? How am I going to respond to Jacob? It's really not Jacob's fault, but yet I'm living with a man that don't love me. How am I going to face my dad? My dad doesn't really... My dad gave me to a man who loved my sister. How am I going to face my dad at the family reunion, you know? How am I going to live with a man who gets up every morning and goes to the field working for my sister? You see, folks, I mean, this is a real story written in the pages of Scripture Remember what Paul said? Everything that was written is for your instruction. How would you feel? Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever felt like you were living in a prison, not feeling loved, not feeling accepted, not feeling like you're worthy, not feeling like you meet up to anything? Have you ever felt the desire to be loved so much that it plagues your mind and heart so bad? Have you ever felt so unloved by Leah that you craved love and attention so much that it seemed like no one or no thing could ever quench the thirst for your love? That's how Leah felt. Leah felt so unloved, and yet it wasn't her fault. And let me say this, ladies and gentlemen, there are some things that will happen in life that is not your fault. It's not your fault that your dad treated you that way. It's not your fault that your mama said that. It's not your fault that so-and-so or the church did that. It's not your fault. Your responsibility in life is not trying to figure out who's at fault and who's right and who's wrong. Your responsibility in life is to heal. You've got to take responsibility for that. Or you're going to bleed on everybody that loves you. You want to be suspicious of everybody that loves you if you don't get healing in your life. And one of the greatest tragedies in life is that most of us doesn't even know how sick we are. We don't even know the depth of the hurt that we're facing. We don't even know how sick we are. I remember years ago, Kenneth Hagin was praying. I think it was Kenneth Hagin. And you may disagree or agree with his theology, but that's not the point. He wrote a story about how he was praying. I do believe it was him. And he was concerned about the spiritual growth Of the church and he got up to preach one day and as he looked throughout the audience he instantly had a vision of everybody in the room and most of the people in the room looked so frail so sickly so bent over and he said to the Lord Lord what in the world what did I just see and the Lord says I am revealing to you what people really look like in the spirit they look like they got it together they look like they're successful They got a big Bible. They they, they can quote the Scriptures, but yet they're spiritually sick. Sometimes we don't even realize how sick we are. You know why I know that to be true? Because we're always misdiagnosing our sickness. And if you don't know what's really wrong with you, you're going to misdiagnose your sickness. You're going to think that somebody can fulfill your sickness or somebody can take care of it. You're going to look at a person as the medicine. You're going to look at sex as the thing that's going to fix it, or entertainment, or the church. And that's not going to fix you. That proves to us that we don't really know how sick we are because we're always getting misdiagnosed, and we're getting the wrong prescription, and we're diagnosing ourselves and taking the wrong medicine when we don't know the root of our sickness. You see... These two desperate housewives were desperate. Oh, yeah, they were desperate for love. They were desperate for attention. They were desperate for approval. They were desperate for his love and approval. Oh, Rachel is sitting there every day. That's my man. That's my man. I'm going to get that man one day. That's my man. He's going to take care of me. Leah is washing the dishes after she just made him breakfast. And tears are dripping down into the soapy water as she washes the breakfast off of the dishes that she just fed to the man that got up and got dressed to work for her sister. I don't know about you, but this is a story of deceit, a story of brokenness, a story of, in the end, it's celebration. It's kind of like it's a story of being cheated and mistreated. But in the end, you'll find that she was never defeated. Here is desperate housewife. And so what do you do when you feel like you're unloved? What do you do when you feel like you're unloved? When you feel like you're in a place that you want to be loved and accepted and approved, what do you do? Well, the natural thing that we do, all of us do, Is that we produce to get their approval. We produce to get their approval. Now, producing to you may be different than what I would do. If you're desiring somebody's love and attention and approval, you will produce to get their approval. And that's exactly what Leah did. Leah said, I've got to do something to make him love me. I got to do something so that I can get his approval. I got to do something so that he'll accept me. And so this morning, that's why we're at the text. Now Leah starts to say, I I need to do something to get Jacob's approval. And the Bible says in Genesis 29 and verse number 31, look at the scripture. This is what Leah begins to do to try to get Jacob's attention. And when the Lord saw that Leah was unloved, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. The Bible says in verse 32, So Levi conceived, and what did she do? She bore a son. And she said, His name shall be called what? Reuben. For the Lord has looked at my affliction. Now therefore my husband will love me. Well, the only thing a woman could do in the near Middle East was not to work a job and bring a paycheck home. Was basically to keep house and bear children. And so, She started having a baby because you know what Leah's thinking. Leah's thinking this. I'm going to give Jacob something that my sister can never do. My sister won't be able to give him children, but I could give him children. And maybe if I give him a baby to carry on his name, he will stop and notice me and love me. It's interesting to me that the word Reuben in the Hebrew means see a son. See a son. In other words, she gave birth to this little baby boy and she said maybe now he will see that he has a son from me. Isn't that what we do, folks? We keep producing, producing. She gave birth to the first Little baby boy. The Hebrew word means see a son. But you know what? When you produce and produce and produce and they don't pay attention to you, do you know what you usually continue to do? You produce some more. So in Leah's mind is since Jacob is not paying attention to me, I'll just pop out another baby. I mean, here, this is a baby making machine. She just Pops out baby number two. Baby number two. Look at baby number two. And the Bible says in verse 33, she conceived again and bare a son and said, because the Lord hath heard that I was unloved. Did you see what she's saying? He has given me another son and called his name Simeon. So do you see her anguish here? Oh, the Lord has saw that I was unloved. The Lord has saw that I've been mistreated and the Lord has given me another baby. Surely this time, Jacob will love me. Do you know what Simeon means in the Hebrew? It means to hear. His name means to hear. So, can you see what Leah's doing? Leah had baby number one and said, See, you have a son. Pay attention to me. Baby number two, maybe this time he will hear me. Maybe Jacob will hear the longing of my heart to be loved. To hear me. Hear me, Jacob. Jacob, I've been here for seven years. Jacob, come on, Jacob. I go to bed with you every night. I please you every night, Jacob. I'm giving you all these kids. And you still are treating me like I'm nobody. You still love my sister. Because that's what you do. It's what you do when there's a void in your heart. It's what you do when you feel unloved and unaccepted and unappreciated. You keep producing to get their attention. Jacob didn't love her. His heart was on Rachel. No wonder Leah felt used. Leah felt used. But what do you do? Well, Leah said, well, if I'm not going to get his attention, I'm going to bear another child. And the Bible says in verse number 34, and she conceived and bore a son and said, now this time... Now can you see her attitude? Surely this time my husband will be joined to me and attached to me because I have borne him three sons and therefore called his name Levi. Now, the word Levi in the Hebrew means attached or to stick together or to be joined together. So you see what she's doing. First baby is Reuben, the Hebrew word which means to see a son. The second baby is means to hear. The third baby means to be attached to. She's crying out, Jacob, when will you see that I've done something for you? When will you hear my heart? And thirdly, she's like, I know this time you can't leave me, Jacob. You'll be attached to me. How can you walk out on me when I have three crying babies who need to be fed and supported? How can you leave me? Surely, Jacob, you will change your mind at the end of the seven years, and decide to stay with me instead of going to get my sister Rachel because I have borne you three sons. And at this point, Rachel can't do that. Do you see the cry of Leah's heart? I mean, I told you from the get-go, this is a story of deception. Jacob being deceived. It's a story of sadness because you see the sadness of this woman's heart. But you see, I have learned one thing in life is that no matter how much you produce to try to get somebody's attention or to try to get somebody's love. And I know that some of you are like, this doesn't mean anything to me, but this is the generation we're living in. People desire to be loved and accepted and approved so much that they'll even take their own life because somebody walked out on them. We're so obsessed with selfies and pictures and likes and images. We're so consumed with the modern generation or the version of ourself that we desire love and approval. And ladies and gentlemen, there's nothing wrong with being loved. And there's nothing wrong with being loved and showing love. That's an innate desire within each of us that God has given us. There's nothing wrong with that. But the wrongness in it is when you desire the approval and the acceptance of other people so much that you're willing to lay down your life to give them whatever so you can have their approval. That's when it's wrong. That's when it's wrong. Your husband is not your God. Your wife is not your God. Your children are not your gods. When we put so much time and effort trying to get people to love us so much, you'll be solely disappointed. When you love Jesus properly, you'll be able to love people rightly. It's only when you love God right that you can love people right. It's only when you have a relationship with God that you can properly know and to love people. You see, Leah Can you you hear Leah's heart? Leah is like, I've produced, I produce, I produce. She didn't believe in herself. I mean, this woman had low self esteem. I heard one preacher say it like this You need to believe in yourself. If cauliflower can become pizza, you can do anything. You need to believe in yourself. Leah didn't believe in herself. So, you know what Leah did? Leah was like, I've tried. I've tried to get his approval. I've tried to get his acceptance. I've tried to get what God wanted me to do. Can I tell you something? The best thing about God is this. Now listen to me. This is the best thing about God. One of the best things. That even a no from Him has goodness written all over it. somebody say amen. A no from God has goodness written all over it. It wasn't going the way she thought it should. It looked like a no. He was never going to love me. He was never going to accept me. So she had a mind change. She had a heart change. She had a heart shift. And do you know what she began to do? I love this scripture. This scripture is powerful. And it brings it together the Bible says in verse number 35, and she conceived again, and she bare a son and said, now I will praise the Lord. Therefore she called his name Judah and she stopped bearing. Do you know what she did? She said, I had three children for Jacob to try to get his attention for him to love me, and he never did. He would never give me the love and the attention that I desired. And I'm through with it. I stop with that. And the last baby I'm going to have, I'm not going to have it for Jacob. I'm going to have it for the Lord. So she pushed the baby out. And she said, now this time, I'm going to call this baby Judah. And do you know what that means in the Hebrew? It means praise. She said, Jacob, I don't need you to hear me. Jacob, I don't need you to see it. Jacob, I don't need you to be attached to me. This time, I've decided not to get your approval. I want his approval, and I'm going to praise God. There comes a time, there comes a time where you've got to stop trying to get everybody's acceptance and approval and say, God, I'm going to start producing for you. Somebody give God praise and give God glory. Come on, somebody give God praise and give God glory. Going to have a baby for the Lord. She named him Judah, and the Bible says she stopped buried. She said, had enough, Jacob had enough, Jacob, trying to get you to like me. I have changed my focus. I've changed my direction. I've changed my heart, not for your approval. I've changed it for his approval. And the last baby I'm going to have, I've decided not to look at you, Jacob. I've decided to look at the Lord and praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I'm telling you today, church, if we just change your focus on God. He'll never disappoint you. It's interesting to me. The end of the story Jacob is dying. You have two burial plots. Rachel is buried here, Leah is buried here. He told his sons, when I die, bury me beside of Leah. Because in the end, Jacob realized it. In the end, Jacob realized it wasn't good looks that I really needed. I didn't need to marry because of good looks I didn't need to I didn't need to marry because of all of that I didn't need to marry because of lust I needed to marry somebody who knew how to put God first who knew how to worship God who knew their priority somebody better help me out I needed bury me in my death and let me be reminded in my death that priorities is what mattered most in life Go ahead and work your job. Work till you fall apart. But in the end, you're going to be wish you would be buried beside of Leah. Go ahead. Get your degrees. Get your accolades. Get your trophies. Do, work hard. Do what you need to do. Work for Rachel. But in the end, you'll discover when you come to the end of your life that it was really Leah's what I needed. It was really my, my priorities needed to be about God. You see? Oh, hallelujah. Are y'all with me this morning? Is there anybody that can just high-five me? Anybody can just give God a shout of praise? Is there anybody that can notify your neighbor and say, I don't know about you, but this is for me this morning? Is there anybody that can just stand to your feet and say, I have come to praise the Lord. I didn't come here to get nobody's approval. I don't want nobody's acceptance. I don't need nobody's love. I've come here for one reason, and that reason is for his approval, his love, his acceptance. I've decided to have a baby this time, and it's not for you, but it's for him. Hallelujah. I said, Hallelujah. Woo. I'm going to tell you what happens. Hold on. I'm, I'm not done with the story. I'm going to tell you what happens. Are y'all with me? Is there anybody up in here that could just help me? I said, are you here to help me? Because this is what we don't realize. Luke chapter three Let's fast-forward it thousands of years. Everybody say, fast-forward it. You fast-forward the story thousands of years, and you come to Luke, the Gospel of Luke, chapter number 3. Luke chapter number 3, verse number 33, and verse 34. Do you know what this is? This is the genealogy of Jesus Christ. And in the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, guess who is listed? Verse 33, the son of Judah. You say, well, is that the same Judah? Yeah, look at verse 34. It's the same Judah. The son of Jacob. So do you know what happened? Hallelujah. When when Leah pushed out baby number four, Which was Judah, which means praise. She made a decision. I'm not going to get his approval any longer. I'm having a baby for the Lord. I want his approval. I want his acceptance. I want his approval. She had baby number four called his name Judah because Judah means praise. But what she didn't realize is that she just wasn't having a baby for the Lord, for for the Lord, but that baby in that baby was the descendant of Jesus Christ. Jesus came from the lineage of Judah. So when she decided to change her focus from Jacob to the Lord, her praise produced so much more than what she could ever imagine. Her praise produced... Somebody say amen. And I want to let you know that when you start producing a praise for the Lord and when you start to give God a praise and not for the approval of people, your praise will hold much more in it than what you could ever imagine. From the lineage of Judah came Jesus Christ. Leah wasn't the prettiest. But the Lord used her, not Rachel, for the lineage of Jesus. Don't sell yourself short. Don't think that you're out of the game because you don't got the degrees and you don't got the looks. Don't think you're out of the game. Don't think that just because you're not accepted and well favored that you're not a part of God's story. Leah, the rejected one. Leah, the not so beautiful one. Leah, the depressed one. Leah, the down and out one. Leah, her heart was broken. Leah, the one that wanted to be loved. God said, Leah, you wasn't good enough for your husband, but you're good enough for me. And that baby is going to have the Messiah. (laughs) Woo! Hallelujah. I'm going to let you know today that you may not be good for everybody. I wish wish leah could look down the tunnels of history just look i wish leah was here according to hebrews 12 there's a great cloud of witnesses over our head I'm not sure if the cloud of witnesses can hear us, but I hope that Leah understands something that on Earth you felt unloved. On Earth you felt unappreciated. On Earth, you felt like you had no value. But I want to let you know that when you turn your attention to God, Leah, God said, your praise is going to produce something that future generations will come to know that I chose you, and I'll work through you for my hand, for my purpose. And that is why Jude, Judges chapter 20, Judges 20 and verse 18, if they could find it really quick. Judges chapter 20, verse 18, and in closing. Remember? When Israel was up against the enemy, they had nowhere to go. Had nowhere to go. The Bible says that the children of Israel rose and went to the house of God to inquire of God. What do we need to do, God? He said, which of us shall go up first to battle against the children of Benjaminite? The Lord said, send Judah first. Send Judah first. Send Judah first. And what I hear the Lord say today, Christ's point... Send your praise before the battle. Send praise first. Is there anybody in the seats in Christ Point Church that can raise your hands, stand to your feet and say, I've decided I'm going to send Judah first. I'm going to send my praise first. I'm going to send my worship first. I'm going to... <laughs> Hallelujah. Come on, church. Somebody bless the Lord today. Come on, somebody put your hands together. Somebody give God Glory.